Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Now, today's guest is a, is a cool one because we're going to be talking to uh, Lawrence Haber, Larry, mm-hmm. as I know him, who is the president of the Collectors Club uh, here in New York City. Um, and not just the president of the Collectors Club, but the president during arguably the club's most yeah. interesting, uh, challenging time in its 100 plus year history yeah um so i i don't think uh larry nobody had any idea what they were getting into uh when he when he took over as president and and here we are uh you know a year since the year plus since the last in-person meeting and it'll be interesting to to touch base with him and see uh you know how things have been how things have been going yeah well we've been hearing that from from all kinds of people people from the collector's club itself that they, they've been handling it well where he's been i don't know personally, the online but they, programs they, have been yeah they've been wildly successful and they of course had documented all their their talks before so they made that available to people for free and then you sign up and you get access to different talks and so it, it'll i'm interested to talk to him about what his you know how he initially handled it and what his plan is for the future and and it'll should be a good one Absolutely. You know what they say about the best led plans of mice and men. I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he had all these things he wanted to do in his presidency and, uh, yeah. and yeah, it'll be really good. I, I haven't seen Larry in, uh, in, in quite a while. So it'll be good, uh, just to catch up with him. He's, uh, he's always a great guy. Gave a, gave a talk at, at, uh, uh, Stockholmia summit 2017, I guess it was that I I've mentioned a couple of times on here about the, the half penny mm-hmm. matron. Yeah. And I, I will forever say that this was my favorite philatelic talk that I ever heard. So, uh, you know, maybe we can even bring that up and, and, uh, yeah. you know, he collects and exhibits so many different interesting things. I think that'll be uh, fun to touch on as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. Uh, without further ado, let's, let's bring him on. Let's hear what he has to say about everything. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Good to see you. Nice to meet you. And same here. I'm glad we were able to to reconnect so soon. Thank you for thank you for joining uh, yeah, us. Yeah, I don't know really why you want to talk to me, but I'm here. <laughs> well, Larry, t- to kick things off, I, I think um, uh, you know I, I think people maybe know you for different things. Either as president of the Collectors Club, I'm sure well, a lot of people. Know, have no, they don't your... know me as the collect as oh, I have. Um, presided over somewhere between 25 to 30 uh, Zoom sessions with the Collectors Club. Mm -hmm. And if you check the video, you will find that not once have I introduced myself. (laughs) Are you keeping a low profile? Yeah. I'm trying to. But yes, I am the president um, of the Collectors Club of New York. We're actually celebrating our 125th anniversary this year. Hmm. The club was begun in um, 1896. So yeah, people know me for that. Other than that, I don't think they know me. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say that I, I would guess. So we came from nowhere and 
I, I was going to say that I bet a lot of people saw your uh, 1909 exhibit when that was making the rounds, because uh, that was how I first uh, became aware of you, was through your uh, oh, w- was through that exhibit. Really, that's interesting. Yeah, that I think is one of the most extraordinary um, exhibits that makes the rounds, uh, and not for the reason that you think I'm going to, because of all of the treasures and all of the philatelic delights that I guess both of you guys would love to get your hands on and earn your, your vig. Um, be patient, be patient. Um, that exhibit, in its one form or another, has earned anywhere from as many as 93 points to as low as 69 points in WSP shows. So at the peak, at Boxborough, 93, and at the pits of despair, uh, 69 points. And we learn from this my incredible resilience because it's, it's eight frames. I have remounted it 10 times. And um, two completely different treatments. Uh, for those who don't know what a treatment is, it's, it's like, how do you do this thing? What's the story about? What page follows? What are the chapters? What's the tale you're telling? So the first version of it was purely chronological. I had this crazy idea. Let me just put everything up in chronological order for the year 1909. That's whacked out, isn't it? <laughs> Um, I had read a story a long, long time ago about a British collector who loved collecting uh, penny lilacs, uh, sweet little penny stamps, surface printed GB. I forget the years. It's around 1870 something or other. Uh, A couple of varieties of those. And what he did was he wanted to collect them with socked on the nose cancels for every single day of the year. January 1, January 2, January 3. So if he can do that with that, why can't I pick an entire year and have something in there for every day of the year? Well, for an exhibit, that becomes really impractical because I'm not dealing with a stamp. I'm dealing with a cover, and I'm going to run out of space. So I decided to do 1909 and that I would do it in chronological order. And this coincided with certain changes in the rules in the manual that uh, Kenji, um, that's the people who keep the rules on, on, on exhibiting, and they basically got rid of the rules and said, you can do whatever you want just so long as you do what you say you're going to do. So being the sort of evil-minded person that I am, I said, I, I'm going to give them a dilemma because I'm going to say this is what I'm going to do. And so long as I do it, you know, tough. So that's what I did. And um, and so the, I took it out the first two times. And the first two times I got something like 83, 84 points. Not bad. And third time at, at Westpex, 69 points. And when I asked why, I really couldn't get a clear answer. And, and the points were in the wrong place, you know. They were in totally the wrong place. 
but I figured they were giving me a message. So I then changed um, the uh, treatment and subsequently it's gotten better, but I've had ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. I hope to be in West Pex's current coming year, uh, July 30th to August 1st, we the Collectors Club of New York are one of the convening societies and uh, I'm gonna get my uh, paperwork together and I'm gonna be doing my next completely new treatment um, because the exhibit is kind of hard for the judges to, in my view, hard for the judges to really figure out because they've never seen anything like that because it's a contradiction in terms. It's a postal history exhibit that only focuses on a single year across all the various different classes of, of males. This is not postal history, it's a contradiction in terms because history, the word history implies movement of time. If I'm freezing time, then it can't be history. So I don't know what this thing is, but I'm still working on it. Um, and, you know, it keeps me busy. Otherwise, you know, there really wouldn't be much to occupy my time. So, yeah. You want me to, Can you, talk you, want me to consign it to you? <laughs> There's some incredible pieces. I will, tell in you, I will tell you, though, it is not at all uncommon that in the midst of my frustration... I go over to one of the booths where there's an auction house and I say, hey, come here. I want you to, I want to show you my stuff. What do you think? You know what I'm thinking? Like, take it. Like, <laughs> why don't you just come back at three o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday? I'll give you the key. You take the sucker down and I'm done, you know? <laughs> uh, so you might want to come to Westpex because it might be your opportunity. <laughs> It obviously, uh, you know, you, 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 I presume, did not start collecting the year 1909. Can you talk a little bit about your yeah. journey in the hobby that, that got you to, uh, uh, you know, to, to the point where you were exhibiting? What was, your, uh, what was your experience? I was introduced to the hobby by my grandfather. And my grandfather um, um, put together his own albums on, on regular lined composition paper. I'm sure both of you gentlemen have seen thousands of these things. And I lusted after that collection and he would never, he wouldn't let me have my hands on it. When eventually he passed and it moved to my mom and eventually it came to me, it was one of the bigger disappointments of my life to be perfectly frank. Uh, there were no great gems in it and oh gosh darn it, no Washington Franklins. You mean you're starting here and everything, you know, um, but I picked up in the hobby, um, because I viewed it as my own personal art collection. My initial first area of focus, and I still have the material, is uh, uh, Swiss stamps. And the Swiss stamps are just mind-bogglingly beautiful examples of engraved printing. Um, the definitives, the, the um, semi-postals, um, they're just gorgeous. I mean, you just look at them and, you know, I don't have the kind of money where I can put expensive paintings on my walls. Um, but that was my art collection. And, uh, and I always thought that the hobby was, you know, you have an album and you, you put the stamps in the holes and when you're done, you're done. 
Um, and I started following um, discussions on Richard Fragiola's um, stamp board. And a good number of years ago, um, he posted uh, a JPEG of a GB album. And it had the penny black. And I always thought there was one penny black. And there isn't. There's plate 1A, 1B, 1C, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And then you get into the penny reds, all the individual plates, penny stars, plates, the ones with the letters in four corners. And it was like a world opened up to me because I had never even realized this. It's the most, maybe the most basic thing. And I, I, I'd stayed away from GB because, you know, stuff is just so ugly. It's the antithesis of, G, of, of the Swiss stuff. You know, Swiss is colorful, beautiful, different designs. And for um, how many years did they have the same image up there of Queen Victoria? I mean, they changed the color, but it's the same thing. But, you know, you study something long enough, you start to appreciate the, the beauty of it. And I started to collect GB. And, um, and I basically focused at the girls at both extremes, that is Victoria and Elizabeth, and uh, then started focusing on the matrons. And I had, and I still have, a pretty extensive matron collection. And um, I had taken a course in, in um, exhibiting that Liz Heisey and her husband gave at the um, Charleston uh, winter show some years ago. And we had a home in, in Charleston. And that was the first show that I had gone to since my grandfather took me to the armory shows in Manhattan. Um, she introduced me to exhibiting. I had never even known or thought about it, heard about it or anything like that. I figured this is something that I would like to do. And I decided to get into it. And as a test case, just to get some experience, I selected the least expensive stamp in the series, which is the decimal halfpenny or halfpenny in British speak. I would do an exhibit on that just so that I would get to learn how to do an exhibit. And uh, first time up was in uh, 2011. And little did I know, but you know, it becomes an obsession, five frames was shown at New York 2016. And I think I earned either 87 or 89 points, which for an exhibit of that kind of material, I think is really, really good. I won a special award uh, for my uh, commendations, not really, really special uh, on treatment uh, because I showed it both the stuff just off cover and on cover, I showed uses. And um, I really enjoyed it. And what I really enjoyed was it really forced me to understand my material. But the best part about it was I got to meet people. I got to rub elbows with folks. And that's the real delight because, you know, otherwise this can be a very lonely, solitary hobby. You know, you go into your stamp room and you play with your stamps. 
And I mean, let's face it, you go sometimes to some of your friends and you talk about, well, I've got an imperfect halfpenny with FCP paper. And that'll put a lot of your friends to sleep real fast. Uh, oh, I thought it was only available in PCP. Yes, it is, but there are a few examples of the imperf of the halfpenny with FCP paper. Really? Um, but with other people interested in the hobby, uh, it doesn't put them to sleep. And you talk about what you're doing and how you're doing and all sorts of things related to philately and it draws you out uh, of the cave, so to speak. Um, so I did that. And then as I was doing that, I was like looking around for um, other things to do. And um, I saw Jim Lee had an ad for um, one of the essays for the Hudson Fulton. Hmm, looks interesting. I bought it. And the next thing you know, I got pulled in deeper into the Hudson Fulton issue. For those who are unaware, first day of official um, uses, September 25th, 1909. It's not a long trek for that issue before you go all the way back to June 1st for the Seward stamp, that is the Alaska Yukon stamp. Bingo. Keep going a little bit back further to February 12th, 1909 for the Lincoln Memorial. For those of you who only talk in um, Scott numbers, 367, 368, 369, 370, 371, 372, 373. I first started exhibiting just the Hudson Fulton, um, first days of Hudson Fulton, and I was getting nowhere. And there was a gentleman who had exhibited them some years before um, and uh, did pretty well uh, for a single issue commemorative. And his uh, collection was busted up and blown up and scattered across the universe. So I picked up some things and some other things and I realized that whatever I was doing, no matter how well I would do it, I know they would all deny this, but the judges tend to remember that, that other exhibit, that other guy, and that's mm. the standard and I can't achieve that, so I'm wasting my time. Mm. They would disagree with me. I don't disagree with me ever. Um, and so I, I figured that I wasn't really going to succeed, you know, doing what I wanted to do. And I'm, I mean, yes, I do it because I just love to do it. And I'm not the slightest bit motivated by winning any, any awards or getting more points. I couldn't care less, really. I just do it for the aggravation. Hmm. Um, I figured that doing a single issue is just not going to be successful. And I, I wanted to come up with something. And I, I really was, I had no idea what I was going to do. And then this, I had this epiphany and I started thinking about the, um, the guy with the, uh, the penny lilacs. And I figured I would have, uh, which then meant it pulled me into um, Washington Franklin's because the one and two cent Washington Franklin's, there are first days of use in 08 but the rest of the series really hit in 09, the two, three, and so forth. And you have blue paper. And one of the most beautiful stamps ever issued in the United States, the um, uh, Mary Widow, 
special delivery stamp came out and was pulled back in the same year. Plus there's other stuff. So I found a lot of things, you know, of interest. So, you know, I've, I've really become, you know, pretty interested in it. I've gotten a lot of material. Um, it's all overwhelmingly covers. What you see up in the frames is eight pay, eight, eight frames of covers. So that's, um, I use 11 by 11 papers. So that's nine pages per uh, frame. So nine times eight is what, 72? But back in my house upstairs, I, I've got um, a um, bookcase that's like this wide with stock books, three on one side, three on the other side. I must have a jillion covers. And you're, you're laughing. It's going to be a major problem with disposal because I've sucked <laughs> everything out of the market. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't laugh. I did. It's just, you see it? <laughs> you know, when walk, walking around, walking around shows, it's like, hey, I got one. I got one. That's mine, mine, mine. Um, but, you know, I, I've enjoyed it. And now I've, I've moved. I'm, I'm largely done with material there. Um, that's not to say if something special um, came my way, like the uh, first day cover of the Hudson Fulton Imperf. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, but by and large, I'm done. Uh, I've got some good pieces. I have the earliest known uses of uh, the three commemoratives. Um, I think the Lincoln is February 8th. Yeah, February 8th. The Seward is May 29th. And the Hudson Fulton is um, September 23. And I have two of those. Someone offered me the third. There's only three. And in a moment of insanity, I said, no, I got two. I don't need the three. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where I am. Plus a um, couple of first earliest known uses of some couple of the uh, uh, Washington Franklins. I've got one cover, which I think is one of the most stunningly beautiful covers in American philately, which has got um, multicolored string of four um, Washington Franklins, I forget the denominations, at a, at a point in time, all of a year and a half ago, of the four stamps, three of them were the early known, were the early known uses, which I, mean, I think is special. And I can't tell you how happy people are when they come up to me and say, no, Larry, that's no longer an earliest known use. Somebody else has got something earlier. And yeah, that one there, that's no longer an earliest known use. Somebody's got one earlier than that. So only one of them is early known use. You got to reflect that page. And by the way, over on that page, you got something as an EKU, no more. So uh, speaking of, of, you had mentioned earlier, dragging people out of caves, uh, you, you've become president of the Collectors Club in one of the most 
in one of the toughest times for the collectors club, uh, you know, in, in, in its history. Can you talk a little bit about how hmm. you managed to connect people and, and, and the, okay. everybody praises it so highly what, what you've been doing, how the collectors club has been operating in, during okay. the pandemic? Thank you. Now, first things first, you direct this at you, which sounds like second person singular. It's really should have been second person plural. There are a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Um, for, let, let, let me just go through what, what occurred. Uh, we all know what's happened, but I'll give it to you from the perspective of the club. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a fabulous program um, in early March 2020 with uh, Patrick Masalas um, on second medallion issue of Belgium, I think. He's an exquisite presenter. The material is understanding. I know nothing about it. Incredible material. Charming, charming man. Great presenter. Very well done. We went out to dinner um, afterward. We, that's what we normally do. It was a great evening. That was around the 9th of March. And at around that time and shortly after that time, we started getting bad news. Mm-hmm. And we started hearing from some of our presenters. They were kind of nervous of coming into town. And on the 9th of March, which was a Friday, we made a decision to close the club. Now, in addition to my single focus on philately, I also have some other interests. And I I noticed that um, the Metropolitan Opera was posting a free opera video I know neither of you would be interested in this, but a free video on the free side of their paywall, one a week. This is interesting. Now, we had been videoing, recording uh, our programs in the clubhouse for some years prior. The first one is in 2012. And um, I said, hey, you know, if... The Met can give away their product. Maybe we can give away ours. So we started a process where we took um, one of our videos and we put it on the homepage where anybody could see it. This actually became really important in one of the things that we really believe in, which is making a lot of this stuff openly available. I'll talk more about that. Um, So we did that. Then, you know, I started tuning into Zoom or WebEx calls that various philanthropic organizations that I belong to that have nothing to do with philately were running. And um, maybe we can do this. So... um, We have a board and it's a great board. And um, the suggestion was made that we would do a program, not in the clubhouse, but on Zoom. Technically it was not on Zoom, it was on WebEx. 
Who's going to go? How are they going to know? How are they going to get on? How are they going to know to do this, that, or the other? And I was taking the view of, you know, if you put it there, they'll come. Let's not worry about that. Um, realistically, though, if you don't tell people, they can't, they don't know. Hmm. So before we did anything, what we needed to do was we needed to find a means by which we could let people know. And I'd like to let you think that, you know, we got enough hits on our, on our home page of our website for them to know. No. So we, we decided to um, implement um, a mass email marketing program called Constant Contact. I'm sure you gentlemen know of these things or something like it. And uh, pretty inexpensive when you get down to it. And we took our member mailing list and uploaded it into constant contact, tested it, yeah, it worked. And then there was a problem like, who's going to go? How are you going to do this? How's it going to work? How's it going to happen? Um, I volunteered to go first. I had a program on uh, decimalization of the of the British pound that I had done. And I said, I'll go first. And um, the video is still there. You can still see it. You can see how primitive it was and how bad technically it was. But we proved that it could be done. And there were a lot of mistakes that we made. And then I guess as a vote of confidence, one of the finest philatelists um, we have in this country, Roger Brody, agreed to another, do another program. He did, and it was so much better. First, better material. Second, better presenter. And three, our technical production values improved. We then found a variety of different ways in which we could conjole people to give us some publicity. So as he may recall, we would go to somebody like Charles and say, hey, Charles, could you do us a favor? Could you send out a notice to your member, to your customer list? Get the word out. And he did. And I'm, I mean, you know, I, I would, I said this for about a year and I mean it, I'm incredibly uh, grateful because I know that every time you guys send out a mass market, some people are going to unsubscribe, right? And you're taking commercial risk that there are going to be people say, who asked him for this? Gone. Um, and I'm very, very grateful that uh, you at um, HR Harmer and some of the other houses um, helped us get the word out. And our list right now is about six times what it was when it started. Wow. Um, in the middle of it, there are our members, and then there are those people who are not yet members. And um, I, we, my board are fervent in this um, to come to our programs, which I think are the best. Um, club generated 
programs. You don't have to be a member. Um, only once in all of the programs that we did, did we make a pitch for people to join. The rest of the time at Thai, you're welcome. We're happy you're here. We hope you're safe and healthy. I hope that you will enjoy. That's it. Now, what I would say is there is a percentage of people who will respond to this by saying, thank you very much. I'm enjoying your programs. I'll be back in two weeks. And this is great. I, I appreciate the free product. There is also a percentage of people who say, I appreciate this. I think you've done well. I like it. And you're the kind of people I want to be with. They fill out an application form and they join. And last year, um, we were able to, to attract during the pandemic, uh, almost 90 new members, wow. which is a significant percentage. Hmm. Okay. And that's without any compunction, but because people have stepped up to the plate. And, you know, we're very, very appreciative of that because that's, that's a vote of confidence. That they want to be with us. So, you know, like, um, that's what we're about. Um, we're, we're really about trying to bring people together and we're trying to help fill a void that's been created um, in the hobby because shows have not happened. Um, and but primarily it's really about bringing people together. Our, our view is that our members are not yet members are primarily the intermediate and advanced collectors, exhibitors, or those who aspire to be. And we want to reach them. Um, we want to bring them this hobby that we really enjoy. Um, because that's what it's really about, getting them out of the cave. Um, so we've, we determined months and months ago we ain't going away. So we're going to be here uh, doing our thing on Zoom every other Wednesday. At a, we're scheduled fully for the entirety of the current calendar year. We will probably reopen our clubhouse September. And I think we will not take away from our online program but we'll add to it by doing a, an additional program that'll be done in the clubhouse. But this time, instead of videoed and then posted, um, it will be live streamed. Hmm. And I should mention that the programs that we do um, are, we capture the video just like you're capturing the video. We edit it down and then we post it on our website, available totally in the open for two weeks until the next program comes along. And only at that point does it go behind our paywall. Um, and so, you know, I'm personally, I'm proud about the way that our club has responded. Uh, I think we're doing the right thing for the hobby. We're supporting the hobby. This has been for the club completely something that we've done as a group. Uh, 
number of people have contributed mightily to it from uh, uh, Joan Harmer, who's a VP and CTO, uh, Steve Reinhardt, who uh, does our program programming. And I mean, he did not miss a beat going from in-person to virtual. I mean, it's not easy. And any number of our, of our other board members who've helped participate from Wade Soddy to Mark Banchek, uh, and I shouldn't forget um, the presenters that we've had um, who are just absolutely extraordinary. And I think that the real power of this medium is belied by both of you gentlemen, because I look behind you, Michael, and I'm seeing albums. Hmm. And Charles, that looks like albums. Now, the reason you don't see albums behind me is my stamp room is such an utter and complete disaster. No way. <laughs> Ain't it going to happen. But you see, the power of the medium is one of our early programs um, was with um, Gordon Eubanks. Mm-hmm. Gordon has won champion of champions twice. How often are you going to be invited into Gordon Eubanks' stamp room? He's won the champion of champions in the Maltese and more times in single frames than I think anybody can remember. He probably has forgotten how many times he's won it. Um, but to get invited into his stamp room, wow. I mentioned Roger Brody. Earn Morris. I can go on and on and on and on. It's a very personal media. You're not seeing me right now standing behind the podium. Mm -hmm. You're seeing me from here on up. It's personal. You can touch it. And I think that that has an impact on, on people. And I think it's helped them get through this period. Yeah, most definitely. Something else I was wondering is, uh, was there anything that you wanted, uh, that you hoped to implement uh, at the start of your presidency? Any big ideas for the club that you had that got sort of waylaid by, by uh, you know, uh, all of these other uh, things that have come up? But, you know, what, what, was, your, what was your mindset and your goals uh, going into, into your uh, reign? My reign. <laughs> We got a couch up on the second floor. We desperately have to re re <laughs> replace. I think Charles, you may have seen it. Um, it's a it's a leather. It, it's supposed to look like a leather Chesterfield. It's really vinyl, and I think what's happened is people have discovered that if you sort of put your fingers down, you can peel it away. And I desperately need <laughs> I desperately need to replace it. So anybody who's got a ninety 90-foot sofa that they want to get rid of, give me a call. Um, in, in all seriousness, um, uh, we have a library that's just an incredible philatelic uh, treasure. Um, and, um, you know, situated as we are on uh, 35th Street between uh, Madison and Park Avenue, equidistant between... Um, Penn Station and Grand Central Station, it's convenient for a lot of people in the New York, New York metropolitan area to take advantage of the physical proximity to access the library. Um, 
but the, we have a lot of members who are uh, outside of New York, and I would want to have more ability to bring that library to them and, and bring about more scanning services, which we've not been able to do because of the, 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 the physical issues that that's really the, the um, 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 that's been a major impediment. You know, I also mentioned that, you know, what we're really about is bringing people together. That's what a club is really about, isn't it? No matter what it is, a club is about connecting people. So it's really kind of difficult to bring people together, you know, when they're afraid to shake hands with you or they're afraid to be within six feet of you or the fact that you can see me now and you can see my face. And you don't have to read expression from just eyes. It just makes it, you know, incredibly difficult. Um, so those those sorts of things um, are going to have to wait. Uh, those elements where, um, you know, I think that there may be some people who think, well, you know, we don't need to get together in real time and real space. Uh, I'm actually not one of those. I believe that there is no substitute to being in the same space with somebody. Perfect example. So this replicates the kind of conversation that we could theoretically have if we were in a place, three of us together, and the conversation between the three of us would not be any different, except for one thing. There is some degree of probability that somebody who we don't know would be walking by would say, Hi, Michael. Hi, Charles. Hi, Larry. And inject him or herself into our conversation. Mm -hmm. That can't happen here. You know, you lose the serendipity. You know, in the olden days, you know, I, I grew up buying record albums, Sam Goody, by leafing, leafing through the bins. Both of you are too young to remember that sort of thing. Um, and I would always walk away with things that I wasn't planning on buying um, because I saw it. So, um, you know, maybe just, I mean, are you seeing an impact of lost serendipitous sales to people because they can't leave through the material? I don't know. Hmm. You know, I don't know. I love search engines. Um, I love, you know, <clears throat> you know, Charles, when your auctions come up, the first thing I do is I go to your website or um, Stamp Auction Network and I do my searches. I also have a lot of searches that are going all the time on um, eBay. I would say I miss the opportunity of sitting down and picking a book and going through it at a show. I, I miss that opportunity. I miss the opportunity to bump into the dealer that I've not seen, don't know, didn't know. And he says, what are you interested in? And I, and I have to say, oh, it's a long story. Come on, tell me, I've heard it all. Um, and then I unburden myself and he says, I'm sorry, I've not. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I miss that. I also miss not, you know, um, sitting in the exhibitor's feedback and listening to what's going on. Um, so, 
you know, it looks as though the the show schedule is starting to come back. That's a good thing. Um, But we're not going to be the same. And the hobby isn't going to go back to the way that it was before COVID. Um, It'll be a little bit of both, I think. Um, But I think that there's a time and there's a place to get everybody together. And my... I guess the, the biggest issue is, you know, we, I think we've done well because of our ability to adapt to COVID, but we've also done poorly because of COVID because it's so much more difficult to bring people together. And so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when hopefully soon we're all back together again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important. I think everybody's eager to get back. And I think the um, what you talked about is having the full calendar year planned out for online talks as well as opening back up in September. I think, you know, it's, it's a happy medium between both fulfilling people's need to have the in-person contact and reaching out to the people who either aren't quite ready yet or, or um, you know limited by the distance factor, you know, maybe they're in California and they can't attend the events regardless of, of a virus or not. Um, but they still want to watch. Yeah. I mean, you know, a couple of programs ago, I don't remember when, you know, at the end of our formal program, we, we do a webinar, we transfer everybody over from an attendee to a panelist status so that everybody can interchange. And it's one of the more, happy things because there it's unscripted, whatever you want to say. And there was a a woman on and she was from, you know, between the Mississippi and the Rockies. And she just joined. And I heard a sound of just sheer happiness on her part when she said how happy and delighted she was to be a member of Collectors Club. That made us feel good because we delighted her. We brought some joy and we helped her connect with like-minded people. Yeah. And that's why we do this. And I mean, it's a lot of work. Larry, this has been fantastic. This has been a, uh, a really great conversation. Oh, I've enjoyed this one. <laughs> No, no, I mean it. I mean it. This is uh, you've obviously mastered Zoom uh, more than more than most, uh, you know, probably out of necessity. But uh, no, I've I've missed uh, missed heading down to the club and it's 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 good to catch up with you like this. Yeah, well, I I, I look forward to you being back. Um, You know, uh, I'm pretty comfortable that, um, you know, I think it's September. Uh, I think I also mentioned um, we're celebrating our 125th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also mention it's the 100th anniversary of our journal, The Collectors Club Philatelist. Um, and if you want to read something really, really fascinating, you go back into the archives and you can read. It first started being published in 1922. It's very, very interesting reading. 
And it's like taking you in a time machine hmm. back a hundred years. It's I find it interesting. I guess that's why I'm I could call myself a philatelist and a postal historian because that sort of thing interests me. So um, our our pattern when we're in the clubhouse is that when we're done, we go out for a meal. That seems to have been the case back in 1922. Um, and uh, they went to an Italian restaurant on West 49th Street because the club was located in West 49th Street in those days. And the name of the, re of the restaurant was Zucca's, Z-U-C-C-A apostrophe S, Zucca's, Italian restaurant. And being a Google and eBay kind of guy, there are postcards for the restaurant. I had to buy one. I then Googled around Zuka and found out that his daughter, Rita Zuka, somehow or another ended up in Italy in around 1941, Second World War, native speaker of English. She became one of many Axis Sally's. In other words, she broadcast on behalf of the Italian portion of the Axis radio broadcasts directed towards uh, U.S. service members in an attempt to undercut their morale in what we would all consider to be an act of treason. After the war, she was eventually captured. It seems as though she had surrendered her U.S. citizenship, therefore could not have committed treason since she was not a citizen of this nation. The Italians, however, convicted her of crimes of collaboration with bad people. And I just think about our guys getting their veal parmesan from an ex Sally. You never know what you're going to find. Mm. I also find out that they're so excited they had a bridge table delivered to the club so that they could play bridge at a billiard table. Billiard table. Mm. Are these going to be your last acts as president? Billiard table? No, I don't think so. But during your lame duck period, you can uh, buy the billiard table. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, you know, it's like a billiard table. And um, the hours of the club were from 2 p.m. until midnight. However, if 11, nobody was around, they could close early at 11 o'clock. Uh, membership in those days was $25 a year for residents above the age of 35. Uh, for you, it only would have been 12 and a half bucks. Non-resident membership was $5. Huh. Not a bad deal, huh? No. No. Um, and you know, you just go on and on and on and on and you look at the masthead and you see who what the, you know, the editors, the members of the, the leadership of the club, John Luff, had a column on um, new issues. 
it really makes for fascinating reading. So uh, what I was saying, so it's the 125th anniversary of the club, 100th anniversary of um, the CCP. Uh, we've also given out three Lichtenstein Awards, which have yet to be handed over to Messrs. Uh, Barwis, uh, Marcellus, and uh, Banchek. So we'll do that. And uh, we have got a reservation for us all to get together for an incredible evening um, on the 12th of November at the Harvard Club. Day before, we're going to be running our single frame exhibition competition in the clubhouse. So I sure hope it comes off. I think that it will. And so it's going to be a two day event. And, uh, you know, we're really looking to see whether or not we can just have a great time. Hmm. Because it's about time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Too long. It's about time. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It, it was it was nice to finally meet you. We've got to get Michael to uh, join the club now. Yeah, yeah. Only about twenty percent of our membership are resident in the New York metropolitan area. Oh wow! So as a non-resident, you would actually be in exceedingly good company. <laughs> um, maybe better company. Um, <laughs> about twenty percent of us are in New York area. About 20% of us are overseas, and the remainder are um, in the United States, elsewhere, and also in, in Canada. Um, and um, I, I would think I, what I would say is we're going to try to be present at more stamp shows. Uh, so we're going to be at Westpex, we're going to be at Gas, we're going to be at Nojex and Apex, and the Chicago one in November. So we're going to try to be more present. Uh, which I think is important that people get to see us talk with us. And, and um, you know, so um, you don't have to be a New Yorker. You don't have to whatever. The, the other side benefit is that if and when you do visit New York and you're trudging around Midtown and you want to go to a place where you just want to sit and relax, you don't have to do anything philatelic. Pull out a lens, pull out a this, that, the other journal. Just sit and just unwind. We're there. Hmm. Uh, alternatively, if that doesn't happen, um, then there are other avenues by which you can make contact and be part of a community of like-minded philatelists. I'm going to twist Michael's arm until he fills out the form. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been thank you for joining us. Meeting you. I don't know if anybody's going to watch until this point in time, but <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, so much. we'll put in a test. If you watch to this point and you want to prove that you watched this point, send me an email at info at collectors club. That's a plural collectors club.org. And if you do, I'll get you a discount on your first year's membership. All right? Well, you're going to be getting an email from me. No. <laughs> All Larry, right. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much, guys. Pleasure. Take care. Stay Start safe. You, you bye as well. Bye. Same to you. Bye. Bye. Michael, I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was a great, great conversation. I, I hope you enjoyed getting to meet Larry as well.
Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to. We've had this one planned for a little while now. I've been looking forward to meeting him. I, I, hearing about every we've just we've been hearing from so many members of the collectors club because we've we've interviewed a lot of them and they've just been yeah. always <clears throat> so positive about what the collectors club has been doing during the pandemic to to include well, people who aren't members and well i no, I, 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 the, I really enjoyed this 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 was this was a lot of fun and yeah. uh and yeah again I, I encourage everyone to check out the uh collectors club uh, online and, and watch these programs. They're making mm-hmm. them free to people for a limited time. The the archive of magazines is online. Use this resource. And, uh, you know, Larry's very um, uh, charitable in that mm-hmm. he wants this to be for everyone, not just members. Yeah. Uh, he won't say it, so I'll be the one to say it. Join the Collectors Club. Um, <laughs> it's the best money you can spend in the hobby. Uh, again, he, I, I love how gracious and humble he is, um, but I'll be his enforcer. Go join the Collectors Club. Uh, support the good work they're doing. What they offer for free is amazing. Yeah. I feel way too guilty to uh, ever accept it for free because it <laughs> has so much value to it. Um, go join the Collectors Club. That's my yeah. little uh, diatribe. I, I think it's incredible that that they've made the 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 CCP, the Collector Club Philatelist, just f- free. Yeah, it's on the it. it go it's read on the it. website. It's, it's that's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. I like I like how he said that they're going to start going to more shows, uh, being attendance yep. at more. Uh, and and the balance of in person talks will still be live yeah. streamed. It seems like they're they, they're they're sort of uh, navigating that um, question of what's the future going to be like. What has the past year been like? Yeah. I think they're doing a great job with it. So I'm I'm excited to see where the the collectors club goes from here. Yeah, absolutely. It, I'm looking forward to it. It, it. it sounds like they've got a good thing going. Um, as always, thank you so much to everyone for listening. Uh, we are Conversations with Philatelists. We are on all the podcasting services. Yep. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube because the more people that subscribe, the better we feel about ourselves. Uh, we're not like monetized <laughs> or anything, so it ultimately doesn't matter how many subscriptions yeah. we have, but it's a total point of pride. Uh, it yep. doesn't actually help us in any way, but it's fun. Um, same with the podcasting services. Uh, we have a website, philatelypodcast.com which yeah. I have been sending to people. I'm like, Hey, this is the website I'm always talking about. Mm-hmm. Finally, uh, finally went on to it. Nice. Um, and our email is flatterlypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, which I only know because I sometimes get an email from you from like that email. And then you resend the same email from your personal email. Yeah. I, I should so, work on trying to figure out where, where I'm sending emails from. <laughs> yep. That's what I was getting at, man. So, uh, no, Michael, this was, this was a lot of fun as always. Thank you uh, to everyone for listening. Thank you. uh, Thank Larry. Uh, This was, this was fantastic. Yeah, this was great. Um, join the collectors club. We'll see you guys next time. Join the collectors club and subscribe to us. And you're a full blown (laughs) philatelist. (laughs) That's all All it takes to get involved in the hobby. So I'll talk to you soon, Michael. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye.